You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A. Lots of questions coming into the 2020 NFL Draft and the extended offseason that's going to be all virtual now thanks to the coronavirus pandemic around the United States. If you have questions about that or anything else as the Bills get ready for the draft and the offseason, send in your questions to me at 716-508-0405. That's our 24-hour-a-day voicemail line. You can tweet us at Rumlings Q and A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook messages or Instagram messages work. You can email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Today we've got some NFL draft talk. We've got some more Stefan Diggs breakdowns and just a lot more Bills talk to get to. We've got a bunch of different questions this week, so let's get to it. Let's start with a question I'm getting a lot this week, and it has to do with uh, Buffalo Bills draft trades. Last week, we ran a series of articles at buffalorumlinks.com. I'll link to them in the show notes, highlighting how far the Bills could move up with their draft capital. So how far up in the second round could the Bills move by trading their fourth-round pick or uh, by trading their fourth and fifth-round pick? You know, How high could they get up? And there's a whole series of those articles, um, one for each round of the 2020 NFL Draft. So could the Bills get into the first round? What would it cost? Uh, how high can the Bills get in the second round with what they have? How high can the Bills get with moving up with their third-round pick? All that stuff. And in the comments section over there, several folks asked why I wasn't doing articles on trading down in the NFL draft. And there's a bunch of different reasons for it. Uh, the first is that Brandon Bean has never done it. Uh, Brandon Bean has shown over and over again that when he sees a player he likes, he goes up and gets them rather than trades back. He even talked about it in his press conference uh, with the assembled media just a few weeks ago where he said that you know he's willing to overpay for a guy if he knows he's going to get the guy he really wants. So he's that confident in his scouting and in his process that he is willing to trade up and, and trade multiple assets to go get that player. So that's the first reason. Uh, the second reason is I don't think the Bills are in a position where they need to be adding a ton of back end of the roster players. The Bills don't have 10, 12, 15, 20 open roster spots right now. They've got a few roster spots that are open heading into this offseason. At least, you know, 
there, you can always get a surprise here, here or there at cutdown day, but if you look at the Bills roster right now, there's a couple places where they need to add players. And then you look and they have solid depth at multiple positions. They don't really need that. They're not really up against the cap. That's one of the reasons why. And so if you look at their roster, I think it implies that they don't need three picks from the sixth and seventh round in the 2020 NFL Draft. I don't think all three of those players are going to make the team. So it makes sense that they use those picks to move up to get the players they actually want. So if you use both of those six-round picks as part of a trade in the fourth round to move up to get the player that you really want that's falling there that could make a contribution to your team this year or next year or even the year after that, I think it's it's well worth that trade to go up and get it. And Brandon Bean has shown that as well. So that's the question I'm getting a lot this week is how come you're not talking about the Bills trading down? I don't think they have the open roster spots. They don't need to replace a bunch of high-priced veterans because they have the salary cap space. And Brandon Bean has shown over and over again that he wants to trade up and not back to accumulate more picks. That's going to change over the next several years as the Bills have to go from signing a bunch of free agents to replacing them with younger, cheaper players as they hand out contract extensions to uh, Deion Dawkins or Matt Milano or Tredavious White, eventually Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, just a lot of these players that are coming down the road uh, with, with massive contracts. The Bills are going to need to replace their depth with, with younger players. But right now they don't really have that issue. So that's why I don't see the Bills trading down in the 2020 NFL Draft. And rather, I see them trading up, uh, beans aggressive, and we're going to be on our toes. I don't think we're going to get up into the first round, as my article on that suggests. Uh, it would cost way too much to get up into the first round. Uh, they wouldn't be able to address all the needs that they do have on the roster for longer-term depth. Um, if they traded up from 54 all the way back up into the end of the first round, it would cost them you know, multiple picks, uh, including probably their 2020 second round pick, if not their first round pick a year from now. And there's just no player in the draft that could make that kind of impact for the Bills, which is why they made the trade they made anyway uh, to get Stephon Diggs. There's nobody that's going to be there at the end of the first round that's going to make it worth it for them to give up such a valuable future asset. Um, the, the Ravens did it to get back into the end of the first round for Lamar Jackson, but that's at the quarterback position. It was to ensure a fifth year of a relatively cheap option at the quarterback position at a game-changing position. The Bills don't need help at, that, at any of those positions that would make it worth it, and there's no player that's going to be falling there that would make it worth it to give up a future second-round pick or a future first-round pick, plus this year's second-round pick, and a lot of other stuff to move up to be able to to pick that player. So those are all the reasons why I see the Bills trading up. Uh, I don't see them trading up too far in, say, like the third round or something like that. I anticipate them trading up into the 40s in the second round and then seeing kind of where the dust settles as far as what picks they have left, and then maybe doing another trade up in the fifth and sixth round. Uh, but, I mean, who knows what prospects are going to be falling and, and who Brandon Bean falls in love with. But if you look at his track record, if you look at his history, he traded up for Cody Ford last year. He traded up for Dawson Knox. He likes packaging picks to move up to get the player that he wants before he sees that drop-off. 
I'll link to all those in the show notes and you can go to buffalorumlinks.com and, and check out all the trade scenarios that I worked out. But essentially it was just putting values to each pick and showing how high the bills could move if they traded what they have. Let's get to your questions now, starting with our Twitter question of the day. And Ron from New Mexico gives us a great little segue here. With Bean looking to seize the moment, will Buffalo value instant impact over longer-term dividends? If so, does that make it more likely the Bills will move up in the second in order to get that kind of player? Let me answer it this way. Instant impact. The Bills, the, the biggest place a player could make an instant impact right now would be at the running back position. They don't have a running back to... Um, that I'm comfortable with, at least, uh, in T.J. Yeldon. So it would appear that running back is in a position that someone could come in and get significant snaps. That's how you make an impact, is you take significant snaps. But I also don't think that the value in the second round is going to match the players that are there. So I don't think the Bills are going to go out and say, draft a running back in the second round just because they perceive that that could be an instant impact player. What I wrote in buffalorumblings.com is that I think that they're going to get somebody who can contribute in 2020, but could really make an impact in, say, 2021. So I'm looking at positions like defensive end and cornerback, where they have guys with one year left on their deal, and somebody could come in and be groomed to replace those guys. But they could also play now and make some sort of an impact now. So at defensive end, you have Trent Murphy, who's got one year left on his deal or could be replaced. Cornerback, you have Josh Norman and uh, EJ Gaines and Levi Wallace, all with one year left on their deal at the cornerback two position. So you can see the Bills bringing in a guy that could come in and play, you know, fourth cornerback snaps now, but be able to step into that role as the number two cornerback a year from now. So both of those positions are the ones I'm eyeing because I think the value is going to match the players in the second round. And also, they could provide some sort of instant impact, as you were asking about now, and long-term dividends, as you were asking about. So I don't think you need to prioritize one or the other. Uh, Pass rush, they could certainly benefit from an upgraded pass rush right now. Uh, They could benefit... Um, from that long term, as well as they have to replace some middle-aged players uh, on the defensive line. I don't think they're going to take a guy that's going to need, I don't know, three years of seasoning before he can make an impact. Brandon Bean has made it really clear this offseason that he believes that the Bills are in their win-now window right now with Josh Allen on his rookie deal, or at least their first win-now window. Uh, You saw this with the Seahawks where they They went through that initial phase with Russell Wilson's rookie contract and a a super expensive defense, and now they're going through it again with an experienced Russell Wilson being able to kind of carry the team a little bit more. But I don't think that it's going to necessarily force the Bills' hands over the next two years to just accumulate as many win-now assets as they can at the expense of the future. I don't see them trading away, you know, future assets in order to get up and get an instant impact player. So... I think there's going to be balance there. Uh, Brandon Bean has shown over and over again that he has a long-term vision for this team, and we're just in the win-now part of that long-term vision, and so he is going to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, but he's been aggressive from the start, so it's not. I, I don't even know if it'll be a perceptible change. Uh, we'll, we're going to see him move up to get a player that he likes, uh, whether or not that's a guy that can contribute you know, on day one and be a significant player for this roster remains to be seen but they have positions on the roster that could be instant impact now and also 
impact them long term. They have snaps available at three tech defensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback, running back. They have positions that they could upgrade for the short term and for the long term. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumlings Q&A, Ron. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Over to Facebook, where Chris Williams asks us, why do a lot of Bills fans get so upset over Brandon Bean signing ex-Panthers? Does it really matter where the players come from? It doesn't really matter where the players come from, uh, especially this offseason with everything going to be virtual, or at least it seems like everything is going to be virtual until training camps open, if they open at all. I think it's really important to get guys that know you, understand your system, and you know what to expect from them. And so especially this offseason, I don't think it's it's weird at all that the Bills would be bringing in a bunch of ex-Panthers with uh, Ron Rivera leaving Carolina. They don't even have the ties to the Panthers anymore to re-sign there. Um, so it makes sense that they'd be bringing in former Panthers. Now, if they were overpaying these guys and you know making ridiculous decisions, that would be one thing. But they're not. I mean, they gave Daryl Williams, what was it, 2 or $3 million to come up and be a depth option at right tackle. So I don't I don't see that as a problem. They know what they're going to get from Mario Addison. Uh, his defensive coordinator last year on the Carolina Panthers was Eric Fisher, who's now the Bills' defensive line coach. So if anybody knows what that guy can bring to the table, it's it's him. So you know, they have intel on these players. It's not just about being lazy. It's about, like, I know what this guy can do, and I want to come in. I want to bring him in to fill this role. So I'm not upset about it. I know some Bills fans are because they see it as cronyism or nepotism or whatever you want to call it. I don't see that. I think the Bills have been judicious with how they've brought people in. Uh, Part of it, I think, goes back to the Mike Tolbert thing, where people thought they gave Mike Tolbert an outsized number of carries and an outsized number of chances to make an impact on the roster when he wasn't very good. But they were building a culture then, and Tolbert came in and helped establish that culture. And he wasn't the only player that they brought in to help do that. But I mean, it's another thing with Star Latulale that people think they overpaid for him, um, and they probably did. But as we talked about earlier in the podcast with with NFL draft picks, if you are willing to over trade to get the guy you really want to plug into the system, you need to be willing to overpay a little bit for the same thing. And that's what they did with Star. I'm sure Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott can sleep at night knowing that you know that guy's on their roster, that he's going to be. Pre- performing at a consistent level that he's always going to show up and do what he's supposed to do every single day in the off season in the season and and that's what they're paying for really is like the intel on those guys so i don't have a problem with it i know some people do and you know 
if that's what they want to get upset about, they can get upset about it, I guess. Thanks for your question over at Facebook. That was sent to Buffalo Rumblings. Let's go over to the voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Hey, this is Dave Summers from the San Jose uh, Bills Backers out here in California. And I was listening to your podcast about what Diggs might take away from uh, Brown and Beasley. But I can't help but wondering if it's not more complicated than that. A lot of teams might actually decide that, you know, their commitment has to be stopping Diggs first even if it means sacrificing other things. And in such a case, Brown and Beasley may actually see their opportunities increase, and I could even see their, their catching going up just because, you know, all of a sudden the pressure on them has been shifted to Diggs. Uh, what do you think? Thanks for the question, Dave. Some teams certainly will try and do that. They'll bracket uh, Stefan Diggs. They'll put a safety over the top and a cornerback underneath and try to double-team him in that regard. Uh, but one of the reasons that you build up so many of those other weapons is so that you can avoid that. Um, I can't remember what team we were talking about last year over uh, at the Buffalo Rumblings editorial Slack channel, but we were trying to figure out the best way for them to deploy their secondary. And... Um, I think it was about putting Tredavious White on one of the stud wide receivers. Um, and, and we were trying to figure out who Tredavious White should be over the top of. And I think we settled on the fact that Trey White should lock down their number two wide receiver and that the Bills could bracket the number one wide receiver. I'm sorry, I don't have specifics on which team it was. I can't really remember off the top of my head right now. But you know, they, they were trying to bracket that number one receiver with Levi Wallace and safety help over the top and hope that they could get one-on-one -on -one with everybody else going out into the pass routes. And yeah, that works for a limited amount of time, but Stefan Diggs is so good underneath uh, getting open that it's it's difficult for a defense to, to, to handle him that way. Um, but yeah, th there could be some games where it's like the John Brown game because the defense is just committing to stopping Stephon Diggs or, or Cole Beasley could open up for five catches for 70 yards or something like that because they're not covering him. They're worried about the outside guys. It's one of the reasons why they've spent so much time building up their offensive weapons. So it's a great question. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be something that happens over the course of the entire season, which is what we were talking about in last week's podcast. But certainly for individual games, there's going to be times when a defensive coordinator is just going to put his hand down on the table and say, we are not going to let Stefan Diggs beat us today or this week. And the Bills are going to have to adjust to that, whether it's you know Devin Singletary running or finding Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, John Brown, someone else. Um, it, hopefully, if everything goes well, the Bills will be able to distribute the ball just like they have been. But there's only so many touches to go around. And if Stephon Diggs is there, he's going to suck some of the air out of that room. He's going to demand the ball, whether it's literally demand it or just his presence demands it. Uh, they're going to be a downtick in production from the other guys. It's not like they're going to just add another thousand yards passing to their offense or another you know, 70 catches to their offense. They just don't have that in their game plan. So it's going to have to come from somewhere um, beyond just Frank Gore leaving. So uh, thanks for your question. Over at our voicemail line, 716-508-0405. That question dovetails really well with a question that Darren asked us on Twitter. Do you think that the Bills will become more of a passing team this year? And please explain. Well, the Bills 
went away from their two tight end sets as Brian Dable moved up into the coaches booth last year. And so that would seem to indicate that they're going to be passing the ball a little bit more. The loss of Frank Gore, you know, who's going to be that number two running back is another big question. I don't necessarily know if they're going to become more of a passing team in like, you know, passing 15, 20, 30% more in a game. I just don't see that as, you know, the, the point where Josh Allen is in his NFL career. But they could, you know, be passing a few more times a game. That, like I was just answering in the last question, they have a lot of horses that they need to get some run. So they have people that they're going to need to keep happy, and that means more and more on the outside. But let's not forget that they may just be taking things out from last year. Like Zay Jones isn't going to be around to get his catches, and uh, maybe they'll run a lot fewer jet sweeps with Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Duke Williams won't be getting as many looks because Stefan Diggs is there. Robert Foster is probably going to take even more of a backseat. So are they going to be passing a lot more? It might be a little bit more, uh, but instead of it being that little jet sweep pass where it's behind the line of scrimmage, just kind of flicking it forward to Isaiah McKenzie, you might see them going six, seven, eight yards down the field. So I think depth of target is going to increase uh, just because they're going to be phasing out Isaiah McKenzie in favor of Stefan Diggs and you know, the rest of the passing offense, you might see the depth of target change, but I don't necessarily know if you're going to see like a wholesale shift from 60% or 50-50 run pass to, you know, 75 pass or 70 pass or 65 pass. Thanks for your question on Twitter. That's going to do it for this week's episode. We've got one more episode before the draft, and we'll try to jam in as many NFL draft questions as we can next week. So get those in to us right now. 716-508-0405 is the voicemail line. You can tweet us at RumlingsQ&A on Twitter. Email BuffaloRumlings at SBNation.com. Facebook message, Instagram messages, lots of ways to get in touch with the show to ask your NFL draft questions for next week's episode. We'll have you covered with wall-to-wall coverage of the 2020 NFL draft from our homes, from their homes, and of course, even the first round where the Bills don't have a pick.